Hello everyone, my name is Anne Taylor. I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner and one of the editors of this Feldenkrais Guild newsletter. I'm delighted to introduce our guest practitioner and teacher for this issue, who is Sheila O'Neill. Um, Sheila's a highly experienced practitioner uh, who's been a teacher for over 30 years. And she also works as an assistant trainer in London and sometimes Barcelona. So Sheila, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Um, Sheila, I'm going to follow the usual format and ask you three questions mm -hmm. and then invite you to teach a short awareness through movement lesson. I hope that's okay. Yeah, that works. Brilliant. Okay, so my first question is, what brought you to the Feldenkrais Method? Huh. That's interesting. Well, for me, um, it was a friend. A friend knew about the work. Um, a friend who'd really got into somatic work and done a lot of Alexander. And we knew of a, a workshop up in London, so we went up to London for three days for a workshop. Um, it was um, a stunning experience because I hadn't a clue what was going on. I remember at one time saying to him, uh, I thought this was supposed to be about the upper back. And he said, yeah, we've done this, we've done that. And I'm, me thinking, oh, yeah, I suppose we have. And it, it seemed to bring me into a different world, which was nice. And then I went back home and back to a very stressful job where I'd been clutching my bottle of rescue remedy to get me through the days. And I just sailed through the next few days. And then when it when that, that ability to deal with stress kind of faded, I suddenly thought, oh, that was a result of that. There was something about what we did lying on the floor that meant that I could deal with this stress reasonably rather than as I was doing unreasonably. And it, it was a, a huge, huge thing for me. So at that time, there were very few practitioners. I did a little bit of work and then I jumped on the training that was coming up. Great, thank you, thank you. Um, so following on from that, what's your favorite thing about the method? Is there one thing you can, I'm sure there are lots of things that mm. love, but there's the one favourite thing. My favourite thing at the moment is, is because, yeah, 30 years is a long time. It's a long time to stay interested in something. But more than that, it's a long time to really be realising that every day there can be something new that I discover or think about or something that seems to relate to it. But does it really, you know, I read or articles about neurophysiology and sometimes I think oh yeah this is what we do and sometimes I think gosh this feels like another world but there's something about the method that takes me into not only that kind of sense of self which I think is really important for all of us but it takes us into engaging with the world with and with new eyes if you like yeah. a slightly reorganized brain in a good way yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. It keeps us constantly curious, doesn't it? Absolutely. Isn't curiosity what keeps us alive, really? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And learning. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great. Thank you. So do you have a, a favourite, this is probably a difficult question as well, but a sort of favourite example of how Feldenkrais works or has worked and, and been transformational for, for anyone? I could give you hundreds, 
Um, but I'll give you one that's really present for me at the moment. I'm working with three people individually, and they're women of a certain age. And each one of them came to me with a hip problem. And one of the, apart from having trouble with walking, apart from having trouble with pain, one of the things that they all talked about was not being able to put on their shoes. And, you know, it's such a, it's such a shift to having to ask somebody else to do up your shoes. And with each of these people, that ability has returned. And I think each of them said to me when they started, you know, um, I know this is aging. I know I have to get used to this. And my answer to them was, um, I, I don't think you do have to get used to this. I think we can find a way. And there was something about the way they moved from having less pain, which was crucial for them. But, you know, pain, there's lots of different ways of dealing with pain. Feldenkrais isn't alone in that. But I think Feldenkrais is very good at not only dealing with pain, but also bringing better function in the world, bringing people to a place where in very simple terms, they can do up their shoelaces, but in bigger terms, they can keep their independence. In even bigger terms, they can do things they never thought they, they would be able to do, even later in life. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea that it's never too late to, to, to yes. learn and change. Yeah. Yes, and I've personally explored that recently, you know, um, fell over really badly, damaged my hand, found it coming back, being able to work again. You know, a lot of things that we talk about in the method, but as you get older, you start to research them quite quite close to home. Mm -hmm. And actually, they're good. They're good things. They, they work. We have these abilities, these capacities to extend what we do. Yeah, yeah, great. So thank you. So can you give us an example now of some awareness um, movement, sort of a mini ATM perhaps that people can do. Yes, of course. I think one of the nice things about the work that is that although it's called this unpronounceable thing, the Feldenkrais method, and everybody struggles with that, we do have an, a nice way of talking about the classes as awareness through movement. And, and this is, you know, we shorten that to ATM, but I think it's, it's really a, a central thing that that's what we're doing. And of course it was my first love in the method. So, so yeah, here we go. Great. Okay, so I'm going to do this as or follow your instructions. Um, but what I'll say to people who are watching is, try not to look at me, I'm not demonstrating, but just pay attention to what Sheila's saying. So I'm gonna take off my glasses and just move the screen slightly so that Sheila can see me. That's great. We're getting very good at working with Zoom now and how on earth we can see everybody. Yeah. So yes, remember you're thinking about yourself. Um, the first thing we're going to do is a very simple thing in standing. I'm sorry, I forgot to warn you about this. So in standing, just look up as if you wanted to see the ceiling. And if it's possible, look back along the ceiling, but you may just look up towards the ceiling and then look down to the floor. And 
in this looking up and looking down, you have the possibility of really widening your world visually. And of course, in the looking up, we have that possibility of looking at the wonderful sky, that openness, good. And then please come and sit down again. And this lesson is about looking up, but it also has a component which, which is about balance. So please put your, interlace your fingers and bring your hands around one knee. So you have to lift the knee, you bring the hands around, sort of the kneecap a little bit below, and then just rock forwards and back, keeping that position. So your head comes forward, your head goes back. And in terms of moving the head, one of the things really interesting here is what we do with the eyes. Do you continually look forward or does your gaze go down and up? And we're about variety in this method. So allow yourself to practice one of those and then the other of them. And now you know how much better it is to think about yourself rather than trying to be looking at the computer screen because that's not going to help you. So looking up, think of seeing the ceiling at some point. Looking down, think of seeing the floor at some point. And then look forward at something, and that probably is the computer, and just continue to rock looking at that place. Good. Put your foot down, let your arms down, rest for a moment. And you probably already have a slightly changed sense of yourself. Um, you know, scientists talk about somebody being blindfolded and within one hour, parts of the brain that were addressing vision will start to address other things which help instead of vision within one hour, so we can change so quickly in terms of what we address with our brains. So let's do this on the other side. The old Feldenkrais-y thing is always that one side is different from the other, and it usually is. So just rock forward and back. Notice what you do automatically with your gaze. Is it automatic to stay looking forward, to keep your head in one position in relation to the floor and the ceiling? Or does your head move with your back? And you can hear as I say that, that we're not looking for the right way. We're looking to bring difference. We're looking to bring options. We're looking to play a little with the possibilities of movement. Good. Now, do a different movement with the same knee. Do a movement of bringing your head towards your knee. So the knee comes up, the head goes down. And if you find you're sitting too far back on your chair, you can always come a little bit forward. The knee comes up, the head goes down, your elbows bend. Great. And of course, this time we're really saying, move your head, 
look to the knee, think of taking the nose in the direction of the knee. This is not about finding the one to meet the other, it's knowing the directions. Good, stop and rest for a moment. And sometimes I find in the resting when I have a chance just to notice what I've done, I find my breath is a bit different. I find my feet are a little different on the floor. And then let's try this on the right side. Put, interlace your fingers, bring your hands around your knee, uh, bring the head and the knee towards each other. Now, maybe you're doing this on the other side. I'm saying right because I'm, I've got one person in my class. <laughs> this is a success. Good. And there's something about the way your breastbone moves as you bring your head down that might be interesting. Something about the way your back rounds as you bring your knee up, your head down. And of course, what you have is a relatively still left leg or the leg that's standing on the floor and the, every part of the rest of you can be moving. Good. Let your foot down, let your arms rest. And in sitting, there's always this reference of how your weight is on your sitting bones and how your weight is of your feet on the floor. And these are things that will often change during a sitting lesson. And now interlace your fingers, bring your hands behind your head. And a few times, bring your head forward with your hands and think of your right elbow going towards your right knee. So there's a turn here. And with that turn, your face begins to point around to the left. And you may find the weight on your sitting bones changes. You know, when I started work, the idea of talking about sitting bones was really tricky. But these days, everybody knows that sitting bones. It's really great. And then do a few the other way with your left elbow towards your left knee. Looking over to the right, noticing how the weight shifts. And of course, the weight can shift under your pelvis. It can also shift under your feet as you go. The feet won't move, but you may find you're pressing a little more with one foot. Good. And do a couple of these movements alternately. Right to right. Left to left. Feel how the elbow that's not going towards the knee is going up towards the ceiling. 
Good, stop and rest. And just one more thing to do. Come forward to the front edge of your chair and let your arms hang down in between your legs. So you might want to open your legs a little bit, let your arms hang down and lean forward so that your hands come down towards the floor and then sit back up so your hands lift again. And you're just using your arms as like strings. They're soft, they're easy. Your hands come towards the floor, your nose comes towards the floor, and then you sit again. And you may, as you come forward, even notice that one hand tends to come a little earlier down. And for anybody who struggles with taking their head forward in this way, you can do a tiny amount. You could do two or three inches of this movement and your brain recognizes the pattern and works with the pattern. You don't have to do a huge movement. Great. Good. Stop and rest. And what's the resting about? Well, we hardly got physically tired, did we? But, but there's a lot of effort that goes into this level of concentration and bringing awareness. And sometimes we need to pause. And sometimes within that pause, there's a kind of digestion of anything new that you've learned. Good. So now come and stand up. And look up and down. And as you look up, see if you look up and see more of the ceiling. And also notice one thing, does your pelvis now move in a way that it wasn't moving before? Good. So, Anne, we could see the middle of you, and I just want to hear, because I always want to know, did you find that when you looked up, you saw more of the ceiling? I saw more of the ceiling, and my pelvis, I don't know if you could see on screen, was really shifting in a very much bigger way. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the element that is around balance. Looking up is a function which is great for us. And when we, when we look up and we, we see things that are up there that as an adult we often don't pay attention to, that, that's really great and expansive. But one of the things that many older people are concerned about is balance. And the relationship between the pelvis and the head is crucial. So as you take your head forward, in order to keep balance, your pelvis can go back and vice versa. And it's a really useful thing to be reminded of that, not at the conscious level, although I've just done it at the conscious level, but at the unconscious level where the level where young, you see children playing, you will see them use this head pelvis relationship really clearly. Brilliant, thank you. You're very welcome. Very much, Sheila. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay.
Thank you for doing it. My pleasure. Bye for now. Bye-bye.